They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. Respectfully. <laughs> Did you just say <laughs> respectfully? You're the only one I want to touch. With permission, of course. <laughs> yes. Yes. Welcome, everybody. A little deaf leopard to start today. Oh! Doesn't get better than that, I got to tell you. Uh, pour some sugar on me, as they say. <laughs> get it? <laughs> Get out. Listen, thanks for joining us. It's Thoughts That Rock, where we exchange two pieces of life-changing advice that, uh, you know, it's honestly, it's amazing. It is. (laughs) I don't want to brag, but listen, 20, 23 people are going to hear this and they're going to be blown away. Their minds are going to lose control. Amazing. This episode is sponsored by Certified Rockstar. You want to talk about losing control? You got to go to this thing. This is a customized leadership training program that we make up on the spot. Yep. We do a half-day version. We make it up on the spot. Yeah, we do. Full-day version (laughs) and a virtual version. We have no idea what we're doing, but you will love it. And we'll get paid. CertifiedRockstar.com. Wow. That uh, makes me want to run and give you money. Mm-hmm. Thoughts That Rock help support Cannonball Kids Cancer in their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who've run out of options. They're the real deal. Please check them out at cannonballkidscancer.org. And listen, if you like the show, mm-hmm. please take a moment, mm-hmm. head on over mm-hmm. to iTunes mm-hmm. and say, hmm, let me find this. Thoughts That Rock? Top podcast? Oh, yeah. I'm giving that five stars. Out of five. That's right. And maybe I'm going to write something like... Amazing. Sexy Beasts hosts. Plus I, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever you want to put. It could be amazing. Two handsome guys. Whatever. Whatever you want to put. Just make sure it's five stars. Because that's, that's how we roll. That's the most important part. Listen, truth. we know how busy you are. And just stepping away to find a little bit of time to make your life better. We, we totally get it. Yeah. We understand. We're we in the do. same boat. Yep. Listen, honestly, you could be listening to the podcast. We're totally cool with that. But yeah. I bet you're probably doing something else at the same probably. time. Probably. Maybe, I don't know, you're uh, having a tea party with your imaginary friend. Mm, my pinky's up. Maybe you're melting down butterscotch candies for your coffee. You want some butterscotch? Maybe you're doing a virtual wine tasting all by yourself. <laughs> Doesn't matter to us. We just want to be the half hour you've been looking forward to all week. Let's do it. (laughs) Our guest today is Rich Johnson, who is the founder of Spectacle Photo, uh, creative director over at Cannibal Kids Cancer, and a dear friend of us both, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Rich, welcome to Thoughts That Rock, brother. Thanks Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. Listen, man. 
you know, we are huge, huge fans of, of Rich and his work. Mm-hmm. You know, Rich and I met a few years ago. I was uh, at an event speaking and, and he, he st- found, heard me, stalked me, hunted me down. <laughs> and, and here we are two years later. And, uh, you know, both of us devoting uh, much of our time to Cannonball Kids Cancer and the work they do. So well done, brother. Well done. You got roped hey. in. That's right. He is, uh, my, go ahead. I'm glad to see my stalking skills paid off. <laughs> yes. In a very different way this time yes. than the last time yes. that they, yeah, you're not the let's, first. Let's not talk about that. You're not the first. You're just the most effective so far. <laughs> That's right. This one didn't come with any sort of a 90 day, you know, warning. Yes. So, uh, you know, listen, he's a national, we're going to have his entire bio in the show notes. So please go check it out because mm-hmm. his work is incredible, but he's a national and international award winning artist, including two Emmys, Boom. which he hates taking credit for, but we're going to shove it down his throat because he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um, he has distinguished himself as an innovator in design and photography and video spent the last 10 years really perfecting his uh, artistic skills to become an expert in the fields of print web video photography you name it he has produced multiple viral projects including uh, the anti-bullying awareness campaign called weapon of choice that Mm -hmm. was incredibly powerful has been used by over 180 nonprofits around the world which led him uh, to him being a speaker at the United Nations. No big deal. No biggie. You know. No biggie. Um, the raw awareness campaign for for CKC, which uh, is used to help people see the reality of childhood cancer effects. Yeah. The incredible back to school campaign in the aftermaths of school shootings that he had as well. Maybe my favorite. That one. Uh, so uh, good. Honestly, uh, you know the recent one he just did surrounding the pandemic and and all of the people sort of behind the scenes that have been affected by the lack of work and and live events that have that has been happening. He's based out of Orlando. And is really he's our go-to guy. Yeah. If you've seen anything, any sort of promotional anything for Thoughts That Rock or Jim or my personal <laughs> speaking stuff, that's rich. It's all it's all our boy. <laughs> yes. That's it. He's he is uh, our one go-to because we know what we're going to get every single time, which is just something amazing. So we're super excited that you're here, brother. You know we are a little bit different. We don't uh, do the long extended intros. We like to jump right to the meat and potatoes. So we're going to give you the floor. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock number one. So uh, my thought that rock it rocks that or, sorry my thought that rocks is don't compare your behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reel. So ignore Instagram is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what I read. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Tell us tell us more about that because I'm sure as somebody who is literally behind the scenes, Mr. Behind the Scenes, yeah. capturing highlight yeah. reels. Give us your perspective on that. So I, I think as a creative, it's it's a little bit easier for me to relate to this um, this thought than most people, because with creativity, you have nothing but people's work out there constantly being bombarded um, with different styles of work and different levels of work, and it's all finished and polished work. Um, so when I'm when I was first starting out as a creative, I tend to look at other people's work and instantly. Uh, put myself down and think that I, mm-hmm. I, how could I possibly ever get to this point? Um, you know, in my career, look how well this is lit. Look at this, look at that. And it's, it's this constant comparison. 
And it kind of it's kind of a variation of that that quote, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Um, but I think with creatives, we're starting to see a little bit less of it. We're starting to see some of the bigger photographers that I follow will tend to put the behind the scenes and show the nitty gritty of what's actually going on in, in the in the uh, behind the scenes. Um, but then when it comes to life, you know, I, I follow a lot of you guys. Um, a lot of public speakers and keynote speakers and, and authors. And it's this curated version of the reality of things. Um, and I have seen people dial it back and just go, by the way, today I spilled my coffee all over myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're all human. Um, but that's what social media is. Social media is the curated versions of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find myself day to day going, eh, I'm not going to share that. It's, I don't really want to, to show how we did this. Um, I, ha- I have a, I have an artist friend who's an amazing painter and uh, we commissioned him to do some backgrounds for us, for our studio. And we did a behind the scenes video of him creating these backgrounds and he kept messing up some of the spots and he begged us to take that out of the behind the scenes video. And I was like, I was like, dude, the people, I was like, our clients know that something's going to go wrong. What they want to see is that we have, the ability to overcome it and hmm. fix the problem on the fly. Um, so I think that's important to show your kind of progress and behind the scenes and not just these highlights, um, constantly showing the the good of, of what we do. So, yeah, I think that's actually why you buy like a Blu-ray disc. I mean, to get some of the behind the scenes. I think that's when you look at, uh, you know, Jim giving a reference to 1996. That's why you buy a Blu-ray disc. Yeah, that's yes, and yeah, I'm saying documentaries. That's why you watch Betamax. I'm saying anything that has a behind the scenes stuff. Well, you wouldn't buy anything now. It's all downloaded, so you'd see that stuff. You don't get the extra scenes in there. Oh, you just dated this show by yeah. about two decades. This is going to be – you talked about Evergreen earlier today. This is an Evergreen episode. I'm just saying, you look at some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, like a documentary that – you know, documentary of The Mandalorian is sometimes as big as the actual episode itself because I think people, to Rich's point, they do want to see the – the, the stuff that makes up the, the sausage, if you will. So, listen, I just, speaking of documentaries, this is a great, thanks for the segue. Um, I was, I flew back from Arizona last week, my first flight since March 9th. So, so um, I had done a project, Rich asked me to come in and, and do a project with him that sort of highlighted how we're all, connected, the people in the live events industry, how we're all connected from the, the speakers to the sound text to the lighting text to the you know the the cable pullers to the you name it right and we're all been suffering since live events have gone away and and many of those people are in the shadows right I mean, they're actually designed not to be seen right mm-hmm. that's why they wear black and they disappear into the shadows mm-hmm. but uh, so I'm I yep. am flying back and I I watched um, the amazing Jonathan documentary have you have you seen mm-hmm. that Rich. I have not, no. So do you know who the Amazing Jonathan is? I'm Googling it right now. <laughs> You're, he's too young. Rich is too young. So the Amazing Jonathan is a, a magician comedian that has been around for decades and been on all the big night, you know, the, the night shows from the Tonight Show to Letterman to everybody. And he 
super funny, but he's one of these people who sort of broke that fourth wall in, in magic by sort of showing people a little bit about how he was doing it because it was part of the comedy routine that he would do. So he, you know, became super famous. Uh, he was one of the sort of original prop comics mm. long before Carrot Top or any of those people. He'd show up with a bottle of Windex and he would look at the crowd and go, I have this crazy urge of, to, to run through the crowd naked right now, but let me take a sip of this because it stops me from streaking, mm-hmm. right? And he does all those stupid little puns. But this is a story about, so he's a multi, multi-millionaire now who, ha, you know, he, he was the longest running magician in Vegas until he retired. But three years ago, uh, he was diagnosed with a, a heart condition and given a year to live. And he has lived for three years. And so this documentary is following him around, sort of figuring out what's happening. He's still alive. What's the update? Is there, you know, what's really happening? And so as you're watching this and you're, you're seeing the shit show that is his life. So he lives in a mansion in Vegas, but his life is, I mean, he's, Mm. he's a massive drug addict still like literally they have to stop filming because he's doing meth while they're, while they're filming the documentary. Right. And sitting there trying to figure things out. And in the middle of the documentary, they, uh, the, the, the guys shooting the documentary get told that there's another documentary crew that is now going to show up and they're going to also be shooting a documentary. And so they're like, well, what, what do you mean? There's another crew shooting. We're, we're shooting the documentary. And he's like, no, no, no. I gave this other crew permission. They've won two Academy awards. They did man on a wire and they did, uh, um, sugar, something sugar, sugar man, something or other. And so he's like, well, we're going to do this. And, uh, I think that they're going to film theirs and they've got a lot more credibility. So I think theirs should come out first and yours could come out later. And these guys are going, huh? What are you, (laughs) what are you talking about? Yeah. And so the reason that I bring this up is because the crew that is shooting this film, this documentary wants to shoot the other documentary that's happening Mm. as part of the story to show that behind the scenes, like this is not a curated story. This is a shit show going on right here, right? right And this other crew's like, no, 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 no. Do not put us on camera. So they don't want to be seen. Yeah. They they don't want to do anything. So they're doing this and they're trying to figure this out. A third documentary crew comes in. What? (laughs) And they're like, he goes, oh yeah, he's been, he's been shooting this for about two years. And so they're like, well, there's three documentary crews happening right now. And he goes, well, and Nikki. There's four documentaries being shot at the same time and not one of them knew about the other crew. And so rather than tell the story of what's happening with Jonathan, the documentary becomes about the behind the scenes craziness that's happening right now. Wow. And it's fascinating. You get lost in both his story and what is this guy going to do? How is he going to separate his story from everybody else's? And the answer was he showed all that behind the scenes stuff that nobody really wants to see. He made it into this incredibly interesting piece that made it compelling because you had no idea Who's going to put out the documentary first? What is it going to be about? Are they going to mention the other crews? Are they going to do anything? And so you had so many questions that were happening and what made it, fa- and I just, I loved it. You should watch it because the ending is like, 
it is amazing. The ending is amazing. And you're just, you never see it coming in a million years. And so is it on, is it on Blu-ray? It, that I don't think it's Blu-ray. Wow. Um, okay. I, I think it's Laserdisc, <laughs> but I'm not sure. But it's on uh, Hulu. So, it's on Hulu. So you can imagine. So imagine being involved in something, and like, so as a creative, imagine knowing. Imagine watching the behind the scenes before you even watch. Before you even see the final, the final yeah. Uh, product. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. As photographers and creatives, we don't have we don't have the luxury of experiencing experiencing our work the way that others view it for the first time. That's right. So we 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 only know the behind the scenes and we only know the struggles that we went through. So comparing that to people who we haven't seen the struggles and what they went through, that's why it's so hard to uh, critique and criticize uh, design or creativity. Because you really don't know what they went through, whether there was a wall in the way or the room was tiny, something like that. Um, so when we look at other artists or creatives' work, we tend to go, oh, wow, they had it easy. They did this. They did that. Um, and once you can break through all that noise as a creative, it, it really opens things up to go, okay, I am exactly like them um, to an extent and I should focus more on my craft than comparing myself to people and a bunch of unknowns that I have no idea what happened. So, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and the behind the scenes tend to become a little bit more popular sometimes, like with that documentary, mm. than the actual work itself. If you look at uh, Apocalypse Now, the documentary is, is uh, you know, probably more popular because of the complete you know, cluster that it was to make the original movie. So Hearts of Darkness, the documentary of Apocalypse Now, um, became just as much of a movie as the actual movie itself. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't you think, you know, and again, maybe I haven't seen it with one of these big campaigns that we talked about at the beginning of the show, but I've seen you jump online, Rich, and you will show people behind the scenes. You will spend an hour in front of everybody touching up, changing lighting, trying to do something different go you know i just thought i'd show you this one thing that i'm doing with this shutter speed and this lighting you know that that whatever that picture is yeah. or video isn't going to be for public consumption i probably won't see it but not and i'm not paying to go through a course it's just i get a chance to step inside the world of spectacle right of your company and what you guys are doing at that moment, perhaps to maybe make my photography a little bit better, but not being a photographer myself, I just find it interesting to see that behind the scenes. And it sort of kind of, I guess, goes back to your thought. You know, you're, you get a chance to see some of that stuff, knowing that the highlight reel for somebody, whoever the end product is for, is going to be fantastic, right? Yeah. Well, and part of that is because I think as creatives, we have, uh, we have a responsibility to take care of our industry and our craft and photography, unfortunately has become this kind of throwaway craft. Um, everyone has a camera on them. Everyone takes photos right. and they don't think about how they take photos anymore. And I think if, if anyone in this industry or any industry you're in just complains about the industry without giving back to the industry, then you're part of the problem. Yeah. So, you know, there's Great a saying point. in our industry community over competition and um, I think as much as it, as much as my ego or my perfectionist part of me doesn't want to show people that I've messed up 
constantly uh, my desire to tell people that I do and show them that it's okay to mess up kind of outweighs that. So that's why I'll get on there um, and, and not have a clue of what I'm doing. And I'm doing that to show people it's okay that this is a process um, that you, you have to go down this journey of trying things and then deleting it. Um, one of my most popular photos of my son opening a book, um, I almost deleted that photo. It, it was completely different than what I was used to uh, doing or putting out there. And so I created that photo about 10 years ago. And before that, I had been shooting weddings every single weekend. And I actually was about to quit photography. I had, I was about to sell all my gear because I was just producing regurgitated stuff of what, uh, you know, the, the generic version of what other people were producing. Yeah. Um, trying to, you know, comparing my work to theirs and then just duplicating it. And it just looked like a knockoff brand version of theirs. Um, so before I did that, I was like, well, let me, I found this notebook that had a bunch of ideas that I had written down and just came up with a million excuses on why I couldn't get those done. So one of them was a little boy reading a book with this light coming out. So I was like, well, I have a three-year-old right now. Let me, you know, let me try this. So I produced the image and I spent about an hour and a half in Photoshop, put it on Facebook. And I was like, you know what? Uh, it's one of those, like, uh, I feel cute right now. I might delete this later kind of moment. <laughs> yes. um, so I put that online and I was like, well, let me see what the response is going to be. And within two days, I had an offer to do a tutorial for it in a magazine. Wow. And this is hundreds of thousands of photos later, literally weddings upon weddings and events. <laughs> and this one photo became my most popular photo. Um, and then I was like, this, wait, this is what people have been telling me to do all, all along is, Stop neglecting my ideas because that's the only thing that separates me from my competition is my ideas. Hmm. I'm going to go buy a new camera today, and it's probably the exact same camera that a thousand other photographers in my area have. But what they don't have and what they can't buy on B&H or Adorama is my ideas and my concepts. Yeah. So um, comparing your, your work and your life to these curated versions completely eliminates the possibility to look inward and go, okay, how can I be better at not only sharing my behind the scenes, but sharing my final work and bringing people through the journey of how I got to that point. Well, um, I, I we focus that. too much on the photography community, especially. And I think also in life, we focus too much on how we're going to do something and not enough on why we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and I get people all the time, how did you shoot this? And I always try to lead in. Well, first, let me tell you why, why I shot this. Let me tell you why I created this series on verbal abuse. No one really cares how I shot that right. except for professionals. That's right. But if I could tell the story on why I created it and I understand why I'm doing it, it it's like a steroid for my how. Mm -hmm. um, it's the reason why you and I and, and you guys click when we, when we do photo shoots because I understand your why and I know why I'm creating these for you. Yeah. And that's how it comes together. It, it, I could have had you guys come in and sit you in front of a wall and put a feathered boa around your neck, but it doesn't do you any good. Or maybe it will. I don't, <laughs> for maybe Jim, in one of us. For Jim. For <laughs> one of us, for sure. <laughs> we need to we need to spruce him up a bit. Um, you know, I part of what I love, Rich, about your work is. <sighs> So this is, it's weird to explain it this way. 
even though they're at the end, the images are very polished in a professional sense. They still have a rawness about them that draws you in. I love the fact that I can look at some of your images and count the freckles on, mm-hmm. on someone's nose. That to me is what everybody right now, I laugh. I, uh, part of my TikTok shot of the day where I wake up every morning and OD on TikTok for 30 minutes and get lost is that, yeah, there's this one thing on TikTok where, where people put this little cream on their face and supposed to like get rid of the blackheads and stuff on their, on their stuff. So they, they put it there and when they wipe it away, it is the most obvious, like somebody blurred and smudged that area of their face so that it is abnormally smooth. And they're like, wow. And then they wipe it away and and the thing is black that they just wiped away. Mm. Like that is so ridiculous, but to be able to, to see what some people would consider their imperfections, mm-hmm. which we have learned to to appreciate as more of just being your authentic self. Um, it, it it allows you to connect to that image and that subject at a at so much more of a powerful level than just wow that's a beautiful woman or wow that's a powerful image or whatever that might be on the surface that you're connecting to. You get to go a little bit deeper and see the rawness of what's in front of you. I would assume for you, that's got to be like one of the main things you look to capture when you are taking someone's photo is, is the essence of sort of who they are. It, it is. And, and it's funny when I talk to people about the challenges of being a creative or, and especially a photographer is my biggest competition or my biggest hurdle that I have to uh, get over is, I'm in constant competition with an entire person's life of what self image and confidence, right? So you, it's almost like I'm a counselor sometimes because they'll come in and, and they'll tell you right away, Oh, I don't like the way my nose is bent this way. And they'll point out things that no one even notices. Right. Um, and, and that's what I'm up against every single time that someone steps in front of my camera is um, it are those self-images and the perceived image of what they think they look like to other people. Um, and, and my taste in what my, my, my taste in what I like photographing has changed throughout the years because I used to just want to photograph what's going to get me the most likes or get me the most views online. And now I try to photograph uh, unique people and, and everyday people and, and how do they stand out? And that's, that's why it, it, your your entire outlook on business, especially in this business, changes when you when you kind of free yourself from that thought. Because what happens is, um, no one that steps in front of my camera is is a model for the most part. Yeah, ninety percent of the people I photograph are regular people that come to me. And when you know when people call me up and they go, "Hey, what's your price?" and I give them a price and they go, "Oh, okay, uh, that's a little high," and they go somewhere else. I'm fine with that. There's there's not a single photographer in this world that that I consider competition because mm. if I'm losing my clients because of price, then I've already lost them before they even found out what my price was. So I want clients that are going to collaborate with me, that are going to open up or in front of me and provide me with a look that not they don't provide for everyone in front of a camera. Yeah. So, you know, when you get kids in, in the studio and the parents are like, smile, smile, mm-hmm. smile. It's like, do your kids smile all the time? Because that's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I'm trying to find that look that they give you yes. when you say something to them yes. and, and the look that, that you're going to remember because they're not walking around smiling all the time. Right. And if they are, then fine. Then my job's easier. Right. Um, but the idea is to capture who you are. And sometimes that's a process. You know, sometimes that's, you can't just have someone walk in for five minutes, stand in front of your camera and expect you to, to expect them to open up. Um, you got to talk, you got to, you got to chat with them. You got to discover who they are, what makes them tick. Um, you know, have a conversation and, and just chat before you even pick up a camera. The first 20 minutes of, of every session that I have, I don't even have my camera in my hand right. because that becomes this foreign object yeah. that I'm about to throw up in my face. And, and it becomes my shield. Yeah. Um, it has shielded me from, you know, the, when we did the um, No More Options campaign for CKC, mm-hmm. I basically had parents write letters to their children that they had lost. And as a human, I, you know, I'm, I'm standing there taking photos of this vulnerable person who's reading this letter um, and, and experiencing pain that, that hopefully I never have to experience. And, and then I'm taking their photo afterwards. Yeah. So, you have to kind of put that aside. And then right when you stop, you run up and give them a hug and say, thank you for sharing that with me. And, and I know it sounds cheesy and cliche, but I'm honored every time someone steps in front of my camera and trusts me yeah. to take their photo. Yeah. The, um, the, the, and I try to look at it as that opportunity to create something that no one else has been able to create for them. I, I think what you're talking, I, I know Brian, I can see you want to say something here, but I hope that people immediately after the podcast go and look at your stuff because even you telling this story doesn't do it justice. When you see these photos of that no more options campaign it is probably some of the most powerful stuff you've ever seen uh, ever in print. And, you know, I, I hope that they really go and check your stuff out because really you have done a better job than I think anybody I've seen in capturing those moments. And mm-hmm. those are, they're tough. They're tough to look at, but very empowering, very powerful um, for not just the families, but I think for people to get more engaged. And we should probably mention, I mean, with all the stuff that we do here, the three of us support Cannonball Kids Cancer. And so, you know, I know that, Brian, you said that up front that that was part of his job mm-hmm. as the creative director, but brother you really do capture that and i think you're influencing and impacting other people to get more involved and understand what you know families go through whether their kids are still here or not so kudos to you what were you gonna see Brandon? no I, I i agree i you know one of the this last ckc campaign that we were working on um about you know what treatment looks like and and rich did these amazing photos of half and half right yeah. so it's same person but sort of post treatment yeah. and pre treatment and and you get a chance to sort of see um the, the toll that it takes mm-hmm. right and and it's such a powerful image to sort of see it both in within the same child that um it's just incredible uh, you know i it's something that it's, it's, it takes a special kind of person, right? It's the same type of people I think who work in, in pediatric oncology wards and hospitals. Mm -hmm. It takes a special kind of person to, to be able to face that sort of pain and not get lost in it. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, I think that's something that rich is able to straddle that line where he connects to it on a powerful enough level that he can capture it but he doesn't get sucked into the darkness mm-hmm. um, so that he can't ever do it again. Right. And I think that's the the danger of doing some of the work that, that he does is that 
um, sometimes it's, it's so painful that you don't, you don't want to ever have to see anything like that again. Um, but the story is, it, it needs to be told, right? Mm -hmm. Because until pediatric cancer receives more than 4% of the funding, right? You know, we all have work to do to, um, to make sure that the research is done and that we can find answers. And, and, you know, I think it, it leads, it leads us to our thought, uh, Rich, that we wanted to share with you this week, which comes from Carl Jung. Rock number two. Um, and, it, and it's this, it's everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. And I think that when we look at the curated images of others, we just, some of us just want to scream. Some of us want to punch a baby, you know, whatever. Punch we, a baby. Well, you know, some, it depends on what I'm looking at. You um, just jumped a whole bunch of levels, but okay. <laughs> the idea, this escalated quickly. It yeah, did. it was way it out of control. It did. But, you know, I go and I look and, I, and I'm just like, if we could just take a second to ask ourselves why. Mm-hmm. It, we get so irritated by watching some of these things. I think it's because I think we get irritated because we compare the behind the scenes to people's <laughs> to, mm. to other people's highlight reel, right? That's what drives us crazy is that we look at that and we go, no way, that's not real. I know that if they would just show the authentic part of what's actually happening, um, people would connect with that, but instead they choose to, to put forth this curated version of themselves and and it sort of steals us uh, uh, uh this opportunity it steals from us an opportunity to connect with someone on a level that makes sense to us mm -hmm. because you you know slowly lowering yourself into your lamborghini um is not one of my daily routines that i have you know uh, it's it's you for jim for you somebody walking into a planet fitness mm -hmm. it's not something that you would experience on a daily basis no for a couple reasons <laughs> the obvious being planet fitness i do want to say, tell everybody be on the lookout for rich's uh, a holiday themed uh, photo shoot with Jim and I brought to you by Little Debbie's and COVID. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's actually why I haven't called Rich for another photo shoot. I'm like, I got to get through the holidays to get some weight off before I get in front of that camera. He's magic, but he can't get me 20 pounds lighter. How many yeah. cameras are on you? No, I think, you know, when I'm looking at this quote, and, and we can sort of put it in, in Rich's world, too, I think this is where the great companies realize this exact quote. That's why they do cross-training. You know, I think about, I'm not talking about physical cross-training, I'm saying training in other departments. We did it at Hard Rock, that if you wanted to, let's say, go into a different department, or you wanted to be a supervisor, you had to walk in other people's shoes. And even one time a year on, on the brand's birthday, we would have all the employees that you know, we would get a chance to dress up in like 1970s outfits because that's when the brand started. But the managers had to work in a staff position like mm -hmm. at least a half a day. That was it. Walt Disney World, you have to do it four times a year. You have to be a cast member all day, once a quarter, literally selling popcorn, yep. sweeping the streets, whatever it is, because they understand the power of this Carl Jung quote. They're saying, listen, you, you can't just be in a position and be irritated and complain about it. Work in that job, man, and yeah. see what that's like. And yeah. that's not easy. Yep. And all of a sudden, the light bulb comes on and people start to appreciate each other a little bit more. Yeah. How, how do you maybe, um, Rich, use this 
in your world? I mean, a, a lot of times you're working in a warehouse with a single person or, or perhaps a family or whatever. You know, I'm sure there are some things that uh, that irritate you as well, but you probably go through something like that and it just makes you a better creative. How do you understand yourself a little bit more? Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living. So I, I think if there's any industry that that would that this relates to the most is probably being a creative, especially in photography. Um, you know, if, if you want to if you want to see irony, look up the original post for the Weapon of Choice for the verbal abuse campaign, and you'll see people verbally abusing the photographer me that created that. So, <laughs> um, you know, and and that's the thing, and that's where that was kind of a tipping point for me, where you know uh, that campaign I had I had. 25 people show up to a warehouse. I photographed them in a way that I, I you know, portrait wise, I, I didn't correct anything on them. And basically we had children come in and they, or people came in and they wrote down words that they had been called or heard people called. And then we put it on their face in the form of a bruise. Um, and when I launched that online, you know, in America, we have this like grow up, don't, don't act, you know, uh, they're just kids. They're just bullying each other. Bullies aren't real or whatever. It's that tough guy attitude. Um, and I, I think what it comes down to is it's easy to say what you would or wouldn't have done when you've done nothing at all. Mm, yeah. And what this allows, what, when you look at these people in this series, um, the only thing that saved that series was, and this was one of the first personal projects that I did, I, my whole goal with that was to be an artist and sit down and write curse words on kids' faces. Hmm. That's it. That was my goal. I wanted to shock people into looking at my artwork. And then when I got there, I was like, here's a bunch of words that I wrote down. And these kids would come in and go, my word's not on that list. And I'm like, what do you mean your word's not on that list? There's some bad words on that list. You need to pick one of these words. And they're like, that's not my word. Stupid is my word. So at, hmm. at one point, I just gave up and I said, you know what? Pick whatever word you want. I clearly can't make it to where I'm going to put the words that I want. And that actually wound up saving the series because now mm. it wasn't my voice that was coming through in those photos. It was their voice. Yep. And that's a, that's defensible. You can't sit there and argue against what, a, what this child was saying that they had been told. And it wasn't just my narrative. So I think um, when we're looking at people with the, you know, when they step in front of the camera and if there's something that irritates me about them, I try to figure out why they're doing it and maybe put into experience my experience of talking them around that through the photo shoot. Mm. Um, but that what irritates them might be the message that they're trying to get across. Yeah. Um, so I just have to look at that and I, and every day I have to remind myself when I see stuff online to either just scroll by and not even look at it or, or engage with it or try to put myself in their position on why they're doing it. I hear people all the time complaining about people riding in cars with masks. 
Mm-hmm. And why are they doing it? I can't believe they're doing it. <laughs> and then I was talking to my wife about it, and she's like, you know, I thought that before I was, you know, before I had COVID, and after I was driving around with a mask because I had my kids in the back. Yeah. And I don't want them to get it. So you yeah. never know where people are coming from, and yep. I think that's important. And with social media, it makes it very hard to kind of pierce that veil and, and actually see what's happening. But um, as creatives, we we have... I feel it's a responsibility to create images that give a voice to people that don't have that voice. And there's a million nonprofits out there that are looking for even a fraction of talent to help their message um, go in a direction. And the work that I've done for CKC, although there's a a ton more work to do, the cost of that, I could never in in 10 of my lifetimes donate that much money to to a nonprofit. Right, right. but my work that that is easy for me to do can can help them with that. So I think I think creatives they they um, if they want their business to grow and they want their work to grow, they have to look at how they can help other people and put those talents and and use that voice that they're that they have to shed light and cause a conversation around these issues. Um, for the for that weapon of choice, I was invited to the UN. AIDS uh, fundraising at, at the U.S. Senate. And it was hard for me to understand, even when I got there, why a verbal abuse campaign was at the U.N. AIDS. And uh, the, the director pulled me aside and I asked her and she was like, well, through our research, we've seen an increase in transmission of AIDS by 80 percent amongst domestic violence and uh, verbally abused people because they turn to drugs or sex work. And it's our mission now as a nonprofit to start tackling that to help stop the transmission of AIDS. So you never know hmm. where your work can go and what and who it can help. Um, and, and, you know, maybe the mission of UNAIDS irritated me at one point. It didn't, but I'm saying it could. And then, you know, then this work comes out and, it, and I realize that they're looking at other things and that they just never had these campaigns because they didn't have the resources to do them. So I think that's so, both of those are great, great examples. And I think when you first started responding to where this this Carl Jung thought came from, I, I think you're right that I think probably a photographer, probably more than anything else probably has to realize this this quote this thought because i would guess in some time you know there's some probably um moments where you're spending three four maybe five hours in a session but ultimately there's the one print that's going to come out of it right so it's not even a video not even in our world like i do think there's a lot that maybe goes back to the the first thought where you never let them see you sweat right you know the audience needs us to be authentic edutaining you know the fun messaging we're not going to share all the minutiae and the garbage that happens behind the scenes. Um, but I think there's a lot that goes on with that production when it comes to photography. I'm just trying to think if there was another industry like it, there's a singular image that people are going to receive and perceive it however they want to. But boy, there's so much work and effort and time that goes into it. And I'm not necessarily saying the lighting and the setup, there's all of that tactical stuff. It's exactly what you do, Rich. It's understanding who the person is, what they're feeling, where this ultimately is going to be shown. Like all of those things come into it for you. Yeah, I bet you there's a million things that irritate you, but I think you're sort of the shield. You let it go through you knowing 
the ultimate outcome is going to be fantastic. Whoever it is, whoever the end user is, right? Yeah. And I think by, I think by shielding people of our behind the scenes, we're actually, we're ignoring the one thing that makes us more marketable as individuals and professionals, because I, I'm not so much interested in, in the final product as I would be on how they got to that point in the first place and seeing the grace and how they handled uh, challenges that pop up. We all know that, you know, Murphy's law, what can go wrong will go wrong. Right. But for me, if I'm going to work with someone, I want to, I'm going to be with them for 12 hours on a set. I want to see how they got to solve those problems beforehand, because if they're doing nothing but complaining, yeah, the final product may have turned out perfect or good, but it didn't make the process and journey that we took as a group worth it. So mm. I think that's where, that's where we kind of hide that stuff. And I, and I think it does us a disservice because again, I want to see creatives overcome challenges because sure. I know they're going to yeah. happen. I know the sun's not going to be where they want it to be on a certain day. I know, you know, it's going to rain when you have a photo shoot and you need to do this. Yeah. How do you overcome those challenges and fix it? That's what you should be sharing. Yeah. Um, as someone who hires creatives and works with creatives, that to me would, would be better than any polished piece of work. Yep. Um, Cause I'm selling, I'm selling myself as a creative. I, you know, if I was hard to work with, you guys wouldn't be coming back to me, even right. though my work mm -hmm. could be the best. You guys would be like, he's kind of a pain to deal with. Can we just go to someone else? <laughs> who's not like that. Um, so it, it's such a small fraction of what we do. There's, you know, I'm on TikTok as well. And I follow some photographers on there and there's a guy there's a headshot photographer on there and his work's amazing, but his interaction with people is so amazing. He makes jokes and he laughs with them and he, you know, he, he tells them to do weird things and he's got hmm. these uptight CEOs that everyone's afraid of. And he gets in there and he just jokes with them. And, and that's kind of been our approach. Uh, we don't care if you're a doctor or you're the president of a, you know, a fortune 500 company, I'm going to treat you like a human. And I think some people, they're relieved by that. Some of them are like, Oh great. I don't have someone like kissing my ass right now or, or walking on eggshells around me. Um, and they appreciate it and they open up. Sometimes we have 10 minutes with people. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've photographed some people where you get five minutes. So I'm setting up for an hour and then they walk in and that's it. You get five, five shots wow. and they're gone. Yeah. Um, there's a really famous photo of, uh, Steve jobs and, the photographers behind the scene. I, f I forget the photographer, but he's like, I set up in the cafeteria and Steve jobs walked in. He stepped in front of my backdrop. Once I took two shots. He walked to the next one, took another shot. And then he left. He's like, my total time with Steve jobs was two minutes. Wow. And it's one of the most famous photos with him. And, and that's, that's where you have to just, you know, most people don't know that they would think, Oh my God, I had like this guy had an hour with Steve Jobs because my photo shoots are an hour. Yeah. So my you question know? then is how many times did Brant have to jump and do that split <laughs> in the air to get that shot? Did he do it with one? Because I can't yeah, imagine I wish him jumping it, I up. I wish and down. it was one. <laughs> yeah. I think we were at five. I think we were at I five. Think you're right. Oh my gosh. And, I think you're right. I and would. then I think I think he was like, you know, Rich, I can do twenty more. I but I think you got it. it you know, <laughs> is that what is that what he said, or was, was he wheezing on the ground? I, look, I don't like to show off, and I was like, I could be here all day doing this, but after five, I'm like, I think you got what you. You need. like that's it. That's it. I'm a you pro. were like Steve Jobs. You I'm a pro. I'm a rock star. I know how to do a leg jump, yeah. right? 
So, it. you know, we, we definitely want people to check your stuff out. Um, it, you know, I don't know, before you share sort of where people can stay in touch with you, do you have like a, a campaign that you're working on or something really fresh that's about to come out that uh, we can expect? Because everything you touch is gold, brother. Yeah, so right now I'm working on a few other personal projects that I should be releasing within the new year. Um, a lot of my work you can find on Instagram or any social media. It's all at Spectacle Photo. Um, every time a new social media platform comes out, I run and grab the, the at URL for, for Spectacle. So, um, you know, if, if, if you Google Weapon of Choice, that's a great project to take a look. And also CKC, yep. um, No More Options or This Is Treatment. Um, those are the ones I'd like people to kind of take a look at and, and focus on. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the personal projects that I really want people to focus on because those have a bigger mission tied to it that are for organizations that need that kind of exposure and voice. No doubt. Um, That's so. awesome. listen, man, we can't thank you enough. If you're, if you are listening to this right now and you just want the best of the best, please Give Rich a call. I mean, the work he does, after you look at it, you're going to know exactly why we fawn over him as much as we do and why, honestly, we don't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. We would, we will wait until he's available because it's worth it. And, and so check him out at Spectacle Photo. Follow him online. If you need photos, videos, it, the websites, it doesn't matter. Barbecue. They, they do everything. Yes. You want a good rib recipe? He can do that he can too. Do, he does it all. It's amazing. He's very amazing. good with an Instapot, I just right. have to say. His crack chicken is amazing. Yes. Listen, thank you, brother. We love you. You know that. And uh, it's been too long uh, that we have not uh, had a chance to get together. So let's see if we can't find some time uh, once the craziness slows down here for us to see your face again. Absolutely, man. I, I appreciate it, guys. You bet, pal. We'll, we'll talk, talk to, you, to soon. you soon. Thanks, brother. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock, rock on. on. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.